0: Welcome. This is The Currency. I'm your host, Mike Gaston, and uh, you are joining me for episode number 51 of The Currency Podcast. Glad to have you along today. Uh, if you don't know, we are broadcasting live on a beautiful Sunday morning. It is Father's Day, so big shout out to anybody that is a dad today. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for all the work you do. And if you're a dad like me, you lie in bed at night and think about all the things you could have done better. But hey, I like to believe that the world is a better place for fathers. And so guys, this is a shout out to you. Father's Day props. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben got fired. No, not the Uncle Ben from (laughs) Spider-Man. That Uncle Ben got shot. I don't know if you know that story, but Uncle Ben took a hard one. Uh, But no, Uncle Ben... Uncle Ben's rice, the uh, brand of rice that's been popular for many years. He got fired. Now, I kind of titled this episode, Uncle Ben Quietly Gets Fired, or the quiet. I think it was the quiet firing of Uncle Ben. And the joke behind that was just that, uh, I, you, you probably don't know this, but Uncle Ben as a brand uh, has been around for a long time. The the mascot, if you will, this is what we call brands that have a character like Tony the Tiger, Uncle Ben. They're a mascot. And um, the Uncle Ben mascot was was based on this kind of middle aged, older gentleman, black fellow. And it looked kind of like he was a porter, you know, like he was a steamship porter or something. He had a little bow tie on and and uh, kind of harkened back to yesteryear. And. Years ago, people don't realize this, but years ago, uh, the owners of Uncle Ben, which is Mars, uh, Mars Foods, they tried to rehabilitate, rehabilitate the Uncle Ben image. They took Uncle Ben and they, they said, well, gee, uh, we're depicting this guy, Uncle Ben's rice, like he's some southern step and fetch servant to the white people. Let's upgrade this image. Let's make him the CEO of Uncle Ben's rice. And so they even created this online museum where you could see Uncle Ben's desk, you could read his calendar diary notes, you could see his emails and text messages. They tried to create this fictitious CEO of the Uncle Ben's Corporation, which was a, was a load of malarkey, as we say in the industry. And um, it didn't go over so well. So what happened is uh, Uncle Ben got terminated just recently. Uh, they, they They came out and said, hey, we're going to have to pull Uncle Ben. Um, we, we're going to rename the rice, actually. We're not going to call it Uncle Ben's. We're going to rename it, reimagine it, rebrand it. And, and Mars hasn't come out and said exactly what that's going to look like uh, or, or, or what. Let me give a few shout-outs here. Some folks have joined the live stream. Folks, if you're listening to this podcast after it was recorded and you want to jump in on the wacky, zany fun that is the currency... Just shoot over to YouTube, check out Mike Gaston, just look me up on YouTube and uh, you can join the fun live. I typically broadcast on Sundays we're doing a little early today it's Father's day. I want to knock this out before the day got too too far into it but um but you can you can subscribe you can follow and you can take part live. So let me say some shout outs here. I've got my little brother, Brian, who's not so little. Happy Father's Day to you, bro. Glad to have you along. Medusa's World of Stone. Thanks for joining. Pauline Weinberger is on right now. Hello, Pauline. Uh, uh, Pauline, I'm looking forward to some sassy comments this time around as well. You had me in laughs and stitches last uh, last week. George is on. Hi, George. George says it's his son's birthday, so he's not going to be able to stick around for too long. George, happy birthday to your son. Happy birthday. Today's my mom's birthday, actually. So it's the first day of summer here in the, the, the north of the globe, the northern hemisphere. And uh, June, June 21st, my mom's birthday, Father's Day. And uh, it's just in George's son's birthday. So happy birthday. George, how old is your son? Um, how old is your son? So let's, let's keep going. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on here. As we all know, this is no surprise, there have been riots, there have been protests, there have been legitimate beefs and illegitimate behaviors, et cetera. We, we've talked about all this kind of stuff in the past. I'm not going to get into all the political positioning, etc. cetera. Uh, but I've got a personal beef with, with big corporate brands, and, and, and it could be small brands, too. It just, there's a corporate attitude that I just feel so frustrated by, And, um, and, and I want to talk about that a little bit. You'll find some of my other content. If you watch my videos, sometimes you listen to my podcast episodes, you know, I was pretty hard on, uh, Procter and Gamble's Gillette when they came out with this whole, you know, men can do better campaign. I thought that was the biggest load of rubbish. Uh, you know, I I've been okay with certain companies like Nike. I feel like, yeah, you know, I'm not into the protest that Colin Kaepernick is, has been promoting these last couple of years. I don't think it's, I don't know. I'm just not into it. But I get it. And I get why Nike would jump on board. Not as cynical about that. But, you know, we're in the midst of the Black Lives Matter protests. You know, this man, George, um, George Floyd was terribly, terribly killed. It was just horrible. It was a horrible thing by a really a bad cop. I'm just going to say it. He's a bad cop. That doesn't mean that all cops are bad. I hate that concept. I hate saying that any group of anyone is anything. I mean, not all whites are good. Not all whites are bad. Not all blacks are good. Not all backs, blacks are bad. Not all cops are good. Not all doctors are good. Not all teachers are good. We kind of get into these really broad strokes in society and uh, we get a little wound up. And I don't know if that speaks more to how we're easily manipulated, if we're shallow, or this is it just the human nature? It's just, is it mankind's nature to kind of get swept up in these kind of broad um, issues that lack? You know, we, we don't use nuance. The issues have nuance, but we fail to apply nuance to him, But the whole thing right now that we're experiencing in our society, not only in America, but across the West, is this idea that that black people have suffered and they haven't been treated right. And then they're demanding something better. Now, we haven't really heard yet what better looks like. What specifically do we need to change? What are the things? There's lots of talk around uh, institutional racism and systemic uh, privilege and all these kinds of things. But we haven't gotten to the point of like, well, what do we actually need to do? But far be it from giant consumer groups to 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 wait to hear and think through what needs to be done. <laughs> so here's the thing. You got a bunch of brands that just recently over the last handful of weeks and days have come out and made big changes. So, for instance, uh, any of you in America, there's a brand of butter called Land O'Lakes Butter. was a place in Florida. Actually, is it Florida? No, I think it's Minnesota. I think it's in Minnesota. Land Lakes. Land O'Lakes, Land O'Lakes. Um, and it, it, they have, uh, Land of Lakes is a farmers co op. Essentially, you have a bunch of agricultural, uh, f- uh, farm, commercial entities, these different dairy farms that came together and created a brand called Land of Lakes that they would then promote their dairy products together under that brand. Hey, if we work together, we build a brand, then we can all. Uh, you know, develop, grow, produce our milk, ship it, produce it, and uh, make some money together. Uh, Bird's Eye Foods was another. They used to be a client of mine back in the day. Another co-op uh, was uh, the Curtis Burns, then Profac. They sold off the brand of Pinnacle Foods, etc. cetera. But Land O'Lakes uh, had on their package this this um, Indian maiden, I don't know what you'd call her, like not a squaw, but an Indian maiden. She was in a buckskin dress. She was kneeling down in front of uh, some water, or grass or something with trees in the background. Very picturesque, very kind of just reminiscent of the early 50s for me. Like art you'd see coming out of the 50s, it was uh, Americana, Frontier, Indian. And so, and I think she was holding like this butter in her hand as she knelt there, kind of like very gentle, very in tune with nature. So Land O'Lakes just came out and they pulled her from the packaging. And now they're unwilling to talk about it. They don't want to, they don't want to say anything. They don't want to make, um, they don't want to make any comment about it. They're just doing it. Now, some, some marketing people like Adweek is saying, oh, you're making a huge mistake. You should be trumpeting this from the hilltops. You should be talking about this. You're making this big move. You need to take advantage of it. By the way, hey, pie of zero. What's going on? I'm just going to put you up here. Uh, the only one option I heard so far had to do with a quality of outcome kinds of states. Do you have an opinion on this discussion? Well, I do. I do. Or I won't tackle it right at this moment but I absolutely do. A quality of outcome is impossible. I guess, let me tackle that real quick. We're talking, uh, Pajans with Zero, uh, hailing from the Czech Republic, welcome my friend. He's saying, hey, um, the only requirement he's hearing is that they want a quality of outcome. Here's the thing, every human being is different. Like if you're watching this live, you will see that I am bald. I'm bald on the top of my head and I've got a, a pretty thick gray beard. Now, there's nothing I can do about that. Oh, I guess I could shave the beard. I could dye it a different color. But the fact is, like, I have certain genetic things that, that just cause my state of being. I have certain behaviors that cause my state of being. If, if the camera were to go uh, a little lower down, you might see that I carry a couple extra pounds. As a man uh, befitting a, a man of my station in life, uh, happily married, well well uh, cared for by a loving spouse. <laughs> But the fact is, we have genetic dispositions, genetic limitations, genetic advantages, and we have behavioral things that have consequences. And uh, the fact is, if I jump into a race, if I say, look, I want to run a marathon, I am not free to win that marathon. Why am I not free? Is it systemic racism? Is it some type of ageism or are they fat shaming me because I'm a lard I hope I'm not a lard, but if I'm sitting at my office all the time and I'm working at a desk all the time and I'm snacking on Cheetos and staying up late, not getting enough sleep, et cetera, et cetera, I can't expect to win that race. And even if I did all those things, even if I did all those things, now I can at least engage in the competition, but there's no saying that I'm going to win. There's no saying that I'm going to do as well as everybody else. i might have genetic Things that kind of don't lend me to winning. It still doesn't mean I can't finish. It still doesn't mean I don't have the freedom to enter. That's the thing. Right now, there's a quality of entry. I can go and sign up and get in the race. No one's going to stop me. They're like, "Hey, buddy, if you want to blow out a hamstring and feel the pain for the next three months, go for it." Here's we'll take your entry money. Here's your here's your number. Good luck to you, Haley. You uh, will have the ambulance. Uh, at standby, at the ready, but nobody's, and, and, and if I were winning, let's say I was able to somehow pull out ahead of the pack in my current state, somehow miraculously, no one would jump into the raceway and knock me down. And it doesn't matter what my skin color is. It doesn't matter what my sex is. It doesn't matter what my sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter what my, you know, all these things that everybody's all wound up about right now. Nobody cares. If you're trying to finish that that line, that cross that finishing line, and you're winning, then people are rooting for you. And if you're not, then hey, tough. So this whole idea of equality of outcome, that what, what I'm trying to get at here in general terms, I'm not talking about specifics. I understand that people start disadvantaged and that that disadvantage can weigh on them in huge ways. And it can be a shadow over them, even the way that they see the world that keeps them from being able to thrive. Even when there's a quality of entry they don't even realize they could enter. They don't even think it's something they want to enter just because of the situation they were born into. I get that. But all I'm trying to say is a quality of outcome is ridiculous. You can't do it. The only way that you can create quality of, out, a quality of outcome is if you strip away uh, freedom. Like if you say to one runner, you don't have the freedom to run at your best. You have to dial it back because it's not fair to Mike. Mike's old and fat. And we got to make sure everybody crosses the finish line at the same time. Well, that's not a race. That's not a race, my friends. And life is full of conflict. Life is conflict-ridden. You can't eliminate that. You know, when you sat at the dinner table with your siblings and you looked at that last chicken drumstick and I'm looking at you My little brother's on this cast right now. I'm looking at you, Brian. We looked at that last drumstick. We were competitors. We loved each other. We were blood and flesh and blood. Parents loved us, but there was only so much food on that table. We're looking at each other and and we're both hungry young men. And we're thinking, who's getting that drumstick? That's just the way it works. Life is full of conflict. So even on a sibling level, if if you're under a little bit of competition for the family's love, attention, and resources. Think about all the way up to the nation state level where we're going to war over natural resources and and trade power and political power, et cetera. So this idea of um, equality of outcome is just unrealistic. It's a fantasy. The only way that you can have equality of outcome is if you strip people of their liberty and you force everyone to perform and behave and do and all these things exactly the same. And that's just not human nature. Uh, did Mike eat the drumstick Brian so so Pauline's now asking Brian did Mike eat the drumstick and Brian I'd like for you to chime in on that and I'm going to jump back in chime in I'm going to jump back in on this um, and uh, just real quick Medusa World of Stone says don't touch that beard don't worry don't worry I might knock it back a little bit just because it's getting warm but I'm not getting rid of it trust me gotta keep the beard uh, so, so Brian says, Mike got the drumstick until I was about 16. Right. So he and I have about 11 years difference. I'm the eldest of the family, uh, which means I'll probably die first, all things considered. And Brian is the baby. Although when I say baby, Brian is like this big, hardworking, successful guy with a loving family and a great career. So I say baby, but that, uh, it's all relative. And, um, He's doing great. So yeah, I was great the first uh, 16 years. I had a leg up on Brian just because I had a little bit of an advantage. And he, quickly when he became a young teen, was able to outflank me. (laughs) That's how it works. You got it's just a pecking order. You got to pay your dues, and once it's your turn at the table, uh, you got to throw some elbows and make sure you get your you get yours. Okay, Um, let's get back to it. So. Lando Lakes, a little while ago, I think it was the beginning of May, quietly removed the Native American woman from their package. Now, they're getting some criticism from branding experts saying you should be making a lot of noise about this. I kind of like what they're doing. I mean, I, and I, I will talk about this. So I'm going to back up in a minute and talk about all these guys. Uh, not too long ago, then Pepsi came out. Now, PepsiCo owns uh, Quaker Oats, and Quaker Oats owns the Aunt Jemima brand of pancake mix and syrup. So PepsiCo just announced uh, earlier this week that they were going to be um, reconsidering the whole Aunt Jemima thing that, you know, like, so they've got this brand, it's Aunt Jemima. Like, I don't know how, and, and for those of you that are not Americans, Aunt Jemima is like a total caricature of like what used to be called the black mammy. So you might have a wealthy or or upper middle-class white family They might have a mammy in the house, and this is this is going back well before my time. This is a long time ago, my friends. This is pre World War II, and the mammy might be in the kitchen making dinner. Uh, You know, she was depicted as kind of this big, overweight woman. She'd wear like a bandana, like you know, on her head. She kind of tied down her hair that way, and um, she was depicted as jovial, and all the kids loved her and. You know, she was very uh, folksy in the way that she spoke and might have a little bit of common wisdom, some horse sense, but she wasn't considered like this fount of uh, depth and wisdom. She was this woman just doing the domestic work, making the food, cleaning up the house, etc. cetera. And um, that was a thing. Now, I don't mean to say that every house in America had a black mammy working in the kitchen, but it was this kind of um, cliche, this iconic role in the American culture back in the day. And so Aunt Jemima is a brand, and it's quite old. I mean, the Aunt Jemima brand goes back quite a ways. Is based on this black mammy caricature. And the Aunt Jemima, um, uh, and the original mascot was very much so. In fact, if you look at some of the original print ads uh, where they write like her talking, she'd be saying like, you know, Lord, yes, you know, this is a fine uh, pancake syrup. I mean, just like that kind of stuff. And, um, so Pepsi came out, they own Quaker Oats, which owns now Aunt Jemima. You get all these corporate mergers and acquisitions throughout the ages. And Pepsi's like, oh yeah, we got to get rid of them. This is now, 131 years ago. So Aunt Jemima, 131 years ago. I mean, think about that. That's a long, long time. And, uh, so they got rid of it. So I'm just going to take a look here at the article. I won't put it up on the screen, but essentially, um, they're, Pepsi's coming out and saying, we're just getting rid of this package. We're gonna get rid of this name. We're getting rid of this package. Now, they're not getting rid of the product. They're gonna rename it. They're not sure yet. Now see, this is, this is the theme. So Uncle Ben, they're not really sure they're gonna rename it. They're gonna have maybe a new mascot. They don't know. Uh, Aunt Jemima, the same thing. I'm just gonna read. I'm looking at one of the ads now. So this is an ad from way back when. Uh, this is probably before Pepsi owned them. But uh, this shows Aunt Jemima, that classic um, uh, mammy, as I was saying before, holding up a plate of pancakes and bacon. This is illustrated, more hand-illustrated artwork. And she says, "Law C, folks, show cheer for fluffy, energizing Aunt Jemima pancakes. I mean, my goodness. (laughs) My gosh. You know, like... Like, when I was a kid, you wouldn't think twice about this. I, not that we were seeing these kinds of ads. This predates my time. Now, what Aunt Jemima did uh, and what, what Quaker, whoever owned them at the time, did, they, they did modernize Aunt Jemima. And I want to say they did that, I want to say it was the late 80s, but I could be wrong. I might be mixing up Aunt Jemima and Betty Crocker. But, you know, a, a good 10, 20, 30 years ago... Aunt Jemima reimagined the woman to make her look more like this kind of professional, just a normal black woman. She just looked like this nice, professional, big smile, pearl earrings, uh, nice curly hair. And you can see like a little bit of like a lace, um, you know, blouse on. You can't really see much. And that's Aunt Jemima. So they updated. They made her just this really nice person. Now, what's interesting, if you go to the Aunt Jemima website, Pauline Weinberger says she has four liters of Aunt Jemima at her house. Four liters. Pauline, my goodness. That's a lot of high fructose corn syrup, my friend. That's a lot. I loved Aunt Jemima as a kid. I mean, and, and there's a certain type of Aunt Jemima. It's like Aunt Jemima with butter, which a lot of people supposedly love. My, my mother would never buy stuff like that. Uh, you know, we always wanted the sugar cereals or the kind of the, uh, the, the latest fad food. And no, we were, my mom was not going to feed us that way. Good for her. I mean, I, you know, she did the right thing. I'd be about 400 pounds if she Didn't do that, but man, do we want it. Like if we had had, um, orange juice from Concentrate, she might water it down a little bit. Not because she was being cheap. She's just like, this is too sugary. Or it was very rare for us to have something like uh, Kool-Aid. And if we had Kool-Aid, you know, back in the day, I don't know how Kool-Aid works now because I'm sophisticated. I drink scotch and wine. Uh, No water, please. But um, you would get this little package, small foil package. You pour it in. You had to add your own sugar. And, you know, I I can't remember. It was like cups and cups of sugar you'd put in this. You'd have this like bright green, you know, flavored sugar water. It was phenomenal. Like on a hot summer's day as a kid, you're out there sweating, riding your bike around, getting into fights and stuff with the neighborhood kids. You come in the house and guzzle down some ice cold uh, Kool-Aid. But the way that my mom would do it, she'd cut the sugar. She wouldn't put the full sugar in. So it's like when I had to... When I had uh, when I had Kool-Aid at a friend's house, it was like I'd died and gone to heaven. Just that sweet, sweet, sugary goodness. <laughs> anyway, I digress, which is half of this podcast. So we're talking about uh, Aunt Jemima. They did update the mascot, make her look a lot more normal. And like someone you might know, you look at this and go, yeah, I, I, I know some people. I go to church with a lady like that or, you know, whatever. So They did update it. But the fact is, uh, just recently they came out and said, okay, we're getting rid of her. So here's a few others. So we've got uh, Uncle Ben's. I talked, that's the title. So then, so first Pepsi, actually first Land O'Lakes quietly removed their Indian maiden. Then this week, uh, Pepsi came out and said, no, we got to get rid of Aunt Jemima. Um, Then after that, uh, Mars came out and said, oh yeah, well, we were already thinking of doing this before Pepsi came out. They came out like the next day almost again, this is, it was this last week, and said, yeah, Uncle Ben's, we're, we've got to reimagine. We don't know what we're going to call it, but we're going to change the name. We're going to change the, the mascot and the brand. And then just uh, a day or two ago, both uh, Cream of Wheat, which is owned by B&G Foods, and Mrs. Butterworth, a competitor to Aunt Jemima, Mrs. Butterworth, another black mammy syrup brand, uh, owned by ConAgra Foods also came out and said, yeah, we're, we're dropping these mascots. we got to make some changes. So all the stuff happening in the recent week, this is all in light of the Black Lives Matter, the protests, and everything that's been going on this month. This is really amazing. Now, here's what I want to kind of point out. And by the way, I'm just going to put up here, uh, Medusa says Aunt Jemima logo has changed six times since its inception. Uh, oh, and he also mentions, uh, he or she, I'm not sure Medusa's World of Stone, male or female, but they mentioned that Eskimo Pie will change their name also. Someone brought that up. They, before Eskimo Pie came out and said they were going to do anything, they, they wondered about that. Like, oh, is Eskimo Pie next? Um, and a few others. So here's the thing that I find really fascinating. You've got all these companies that are coming out, these huge consumer groups, worth billions and billions of dollars. I mean, if you think Pepsi, ConAgra, and Mars Foods. I mean, these are massive companies, massive companies coming out and saying, yeah, we're, we're definitely changing. Um, why now? Now, I don't have a problem with these companies changing, but I'm asking why now? And I think this question of why now be kind of exposes what corporations like these are all about. It's, it exposes what they're all about. Why now? Why after... Hundreds of years. Well, not hundreds. I mean, Aunt Jemima is 131. Why after over 100 years now? Is it now in 2020 that we've all decided we care about our black neighbors? Funny enough, by the way, it's not hard to find. If you look on YouTube, there are a lot of black YouTubers saying, hey, wait a minute. Don't don't get rid of Aunt Jemima like thats I love this food. If there's no black woman on it, I don't want it. Like, I love it because it's got a black woman on it. Now, they're not looking back at the black mammy history. They're not doing a whole intellectual history of of racism here in the product and accusing, uh, you know, giant corporations of, of using a black likeness to make a billion bucks. They're just saying, like, I identify with this. And the funny thing, if you go to the Aunt Jemima website, if you go to Aunt Jemima's website, all the... Imagery, the messaging, um, you know, customers, pictures of customers enjoying it, the videos. It's all aimed at black people. The funny thing is it depicts black families and people of color enjoying Aunt Jemima products. So this is just kind of strange. Like on one hand, I get it. Like you've got this history that's, that's kind of a problem. People have to go, it's problematic. I hate that phrase, by the way everything's problematic. This is life. Life is problematic, my friends. Stop saying it. You know, we don't need another think piece on Vox about how problematic your pancake syrup is. But that said, I totally get it. Like this thing does have a checkered history and it comes from a questionable past. I don't need America to still have Aunt Jemima pancakes to feel like I have liberty and freedom. I'm not going to fight to say, oh my gosh, how could you do this? this is, you're just caving to the liberals, blah, blah, blah. I think people have a point. It is offensive. If I, if, I were, if I were, and I am, a Lebanese person, and I watch a movie, say like Star Wars, that depicts Arabs as these like conniving, shallow, uh, dirty, distrustworthy, uh, untrustworthy schemers, as they did in uh, one of the Star Wars movies. I, I forget the guy's name. He, he was this character. He kind of looked like Yasser Arafat, but um, uh, he, he was the one that owned Anakin Skywalker. I, I forget. It was the second series of Star Wars. Of course, I know his name, but it's just not coming to me. It's the one that also had Jar Jar Binks in it, which sound, seemed like some kind of Jamaican goofball. But, you know, they, they portrayed, it was really they were kind of taking like an Arab stereotype, so I watch that movie. Now I don't walk out of there feeling destroyed. I don't walk out of there feeling like the world's against me. But it is a bit of a knock. You watch that and you go, ah, oh, geez, you know, like I know I'm part of this racial group. I'm not Palestinian, I'm Lebanese, we're Phoenicians, you know, I don't know how Arab we are. But they're part of the Middle East. And to most people, they just get lumped into the group. You go, oh, um, Middle Eastern, Arabs. Brian says Aladdin. No, I'm just thinking of uh, Star Wars, but Aladdin's another one. I never watched the Aladdin Aladdin movie, so I, c- I can't speak to that. But anyway, um, you know, if I, if I see that, it does hit me a little bit. Okay, big deal. Like, I don't, it doesn't end my world. But I do understand. It, it kind of helps me be a little sympathetic to a group that says, look, we've really been treated poorly. Our lives aren't that great in general. Some of us have fantastic lives, but a lot of us don't. And I feel like this kind of makes fun of us or it, it sells product of making fun of a stereotype of us. I get that. So for people to say they want to see this stuff go away, I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. It doesn't bother me. I understand it. The problem that I have is not that this is part of the discussion. It's just that all these companies, Pepsi and Mars and ConAgra and, you know, and, um, and B&G Foods and so on, they've had decades and decades to deal with this. They, decades and decades. I mean, they, they could have easily dealt with this before there was a problem. And, that, and that's the thing. At the end of the day, you got to look and you got to say, okay, they could have dealt with these things, but how can you? If you go, look, we're changing Uncle Ben's rice. We're going to rename it because we feel like it's, it's insensitive. It's tone deaf. It's not the right look. It's not the right attitude. It doesn't align with our values anymore as a company. We acquired this back in, you know, 19 dickety do, and the world's changed, and so have we. And we, when we. and we want to take a positive step forward, and we're excited about coming up with a new brand. It's going to be the same quality and so on. But um, And we're grateful for Uncle Ben and the brand, and we're going to retire them. You know, we're done. Like, they could have done that before they were burning uh, cities down and occupying places and saying it's, you know, so... so w- for me, it's really just grandstanding. It's it's just that's you know sycophantic. I'll do whatever you want to make you happy. Look how virtuous I am. Look how great I am. But I always I always have a hard time trusting someone who does something under duress. You know, like if you're gonna sue somebody, somebody somebody uh, takes your lawnmower. You know, they refuse to get. No, it's my lawnmower. It was never yours. You know, and then, now you got to go to the cops. You got to go to court. Whatever you got to do. And eventually that, that neighbor down the road says, all right, fine, I'll give it back. Like, are you, are you going to trust that neighbor? Why did they give it back to you? They gave it back to you because they got caught. They gave it back to you because they got in trouble. They gave it back to you because uh, some type of power or force is, is making them do it. The neighbor who goes, oh, is this yours? Yeah, I had no idea. I was wondering who it was. I found it. Um, I'm happy to give it back to you. In fact, uh, just so you know, I did an oil change and I f- filled it up and... Now you're like, hey, this is a great guy. I love this neighbor. And I feel like Pepsi and Mars and company ConAgra had, a, had the chance through the years to do these kinds of things to say, hey, look, you know, we're gonna, we get it. Like we, make, we make hundreds of millions of dollars off this product, but um, we're not comfortable with it. We're not comfortable with what it stands for. We're not comfortable with its history. That said, we don't want to just ditch it. We think it's important. We have a lot of people that love the product, and, um, we're going to somehow evolve it out or change it, modify it, but we want to do what's right. And I guess that's what it boils down to. You know, you, you, I, it's hard to take somebody seriously when they're only willing to do what's right in the heat of the moment, when they're only willing to do what's right, not in the heat of the moment, but like when they're under pressure, when they're under duress, they're only willing to do what's right when the world is demanding change. And it's an opportunity for them to benefit you know, they're not doing this now when it's going to cost them something. They're doing it in a way that gets them something. Earlier, I talked about Land Lakes and said, at least I respect them. Look, they were reading the tea leaves as well. And I don't know how long Land Lakes was talking about this, but they weren't trying to score points. I think what Land Lakes did, they looked and said, yeah, the world's on fire. I don't know that we're right in the crosshairs, but we're just, we're in, we're in that world. We're in that, we're kind of on the, on the target. We're not the bullseye. This is a Black Lives Matter, but quite frankly... We're using an indigenous person to to hawk our butter, butter products. I think they were smart to say let's let's pull this thing off. They could have done it before, no question, but at least they did it quietly. They didn't thump their chest. They didn't do press releases. And when and when news outlets and journalists have reached out to them, they've said no comment. They're just dealing with it. They're just taking the hit and moving on. They're not trying to score points. They're not trying to get you know. Uh, they're not trying to get on the good side of all the protesters and show how, you know, they're making these big statements about how they believe in, in, uh, you know, goodness for all and righteousness, et cetera. They're just doing what's right. You can question their timing, but they kind of got, they beat the punch a little bit here. Kudos to them. Kudos to Land Lakes and the people running that organization just say, yeah, we're just going to fix it and we're going to move on. I, and I think that's going to serve them well over time. Now they've got it a little bit easier because like their butter isn't called, um, squaw brand butter, you know, it's not, it's not Indian maiden, you know, the sweet creamy delights of the Indian maiden brand butter company. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's just like, uh, it's Lando Lake's butter and they have a mascot. So it's easier for them than an aunt Jemima or an uncle Ben, who's all in. I mean, you're all in with that brand. It's wrapped up in the mascot and the name. Uh, and that's like a little lesson, I guess, not just around racism, but, um, if you're branding, think about the flexibility of your brand and, and, and how will your brand limit you. And, and it's okay to be limited. You've got to create some limitations to create something effective. But you might want to think about that a little bit. Medusa, World of Stone says, you might be talking about Watto, owner of the junk shop on Tatoo, Tatooine. Yeah, Tatooine or Tatooine or whatever. Yes, that guy, Watto. He was totally, uh, you can't tell me that he wasn't modeled on Yasser Arafat. I mean, he just looks like Arafat. And who's no longer with us. <laughs> but anyway, um, yes, I think that's who I was trying to talk about. All right, guys. So that's, that's kind of my thought on this. I, I, uh, I'm just a little um, skeptical. And I, I guess for us, you know, what does this mean for us? What do we do? I've had people ask me, I want to talk about this just for a moment. You know, do I make a big statement? Do I come out and say something about Black Lives Matter? Do I make a public statement? You know, do we need to change policies, et cetera? Um, You know, again, I've said this kind of thing before, but for me, it kind of depends. It it all depends. I mean, you know, how much is your brand tied to, you know, things of race, things of color, things that are kind of, you know, intimately, directly tied? I take a look at your business. I mean, more than the brand and more than making statements, it's, it's more about what you do. And people forget, what you do is a statement. I think we live in a world right now where everybody thinks the statement is equal to doing. You know, I put a black square up on my avatar, everybody. I posted a black square to my Instagram account, you know. And, and, and uh, LinkedIn, oh, you know, we changed all of our navigational elements to black instead of dark blue. Big statement. You know, like, who cares? That's not... Doing, you didn't do anything. You're just making a statement. I think what really, you know, talks these days is put your money where your mouth is. What kind of people are you hiring? You know, how do you treat your people? Uh, what kind of products are you putting out there? Who are you serving, etc. Now, I'm not one to say that you've got to be, you know, out there. I mean, you got you have to obey the hiring practices and laws of your society and your community. But I'm not out there saying hire someone because of their skin color. I don't care if they're white, black, brown, yellow. Like, don't hire them based on their skin color. Hire the people that are great at doing the kind of work that you need. Hire the people that have and share your corporate values. I don't mean your personal values like, oh, you know, I like to have fun. If your business is about fun, great. But hire people that are competent, hire people that are trustworthy in integrity with what you want to see as the culture and values of your company. What kind of organization are you trying to build? Well, hire the people that help do that and be colorblind. You know, somebody's black, white, what yellow, who cares? doesn't matter what sex they are. Who cares? And this is the thing. It's like, we're so wound up on these identifiers. At the end of the day, we're missing out on the qualities that really define us. It's not your skin color. That's your hair color. It's not your height. It's not your sex. It's not, you know, what language you speak. These aren't the things that make us who we truly are. It's 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 the the quality of our character. It's the competencies. It's it's our hearts, our attitudes, our actions, behaviors. What do we do? You know, what are the things that we do? I'd much rather look at those kinds of things. I'd much rather focus on that for myself. So, you know, you're thinking about your business and your brand, et cetera, you know, I, I wouldn't get wound up. I wouldn't get caught up. These things are like, these, you know, these 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 movements are like tattoos. They seem great at the time. And then you look back not that long and they're not such a great idea. The Me Too movement, which tried to address a real issue, which is women being taken advantage of by powerful people, people in a position of power. Uh, That's a real thing. But the movement itself ended up being a bit of a witch hunt and caused a lot of of heartburn for people unreasonably. And now lots of people are part of the Me Too movement. Well, it's biting them because now they want to do things. And support people that now are under the crosshairs with me too. And so, th- again, now it's kind of like that bad tattoo. It was a good idea. It was useful. Made me feel good back in the day. Now, not so much. And so, I'm more about what's the quality of your character. What's the content of your character. What are the things you do? What you know. What is your life all about? That to me is what matters. And that's what has that's what that's that's what has longevity. That's what outlasts us. Pauline Weinberger says we have the Edmonton Eskimos after some consultation with Inuit. They are keeping the name. Yeah, see, that's another one. Sports teams have been thinking about those. You know, we've got, we've got a bunch of sports teams in the U.S. as well, uh, and, and as well as Canada that have, um, you know, race-related names. Often they're American, uh, Indian names, Native American names. Um, you know, the Chiefs, the Kansas City, is the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, there's a bunch of them. They, they escape my, my mind right now. Um, you know, it's, this, this is an ongoing conversation and it's a tough one. Oh, Washington Redskins. uh, That's right. Medusa. Thank you so much. Washington Redskins were under some heat a while back too. That's absolutely correct. And, you know, Redskin was kind of a derogatory term. It's not like, um, like Eskimo, I don't think of as being derogatory. It's just like a name. It's like, you know, if, again, I'll keep, I'm half Irish. I'm like Irish and Lebanese. I keep using the Lebanese, but if it was like, um, you know, the, I I'm trying to think of like, um. You know, you got some soccer team and you call them the uh, the, uh, the the Lebanese Marauders or something, you know, like it's not necessarily bad. The Lebanese aren't known for being marauders. They're more merchants than anything else. But um, but the name Lebanese isn't isn't derogatory, you know, but if you're going to call somebody by a derogatory name like Redskins or Braves, that's right. Pauline says the Braves. That's right. Good. Uh, Braves are a f- uh, baseball team, if I'm if I'm correct. I think I'm correct on that. Terrible. I can mention soccer teams. I played basketball in high school. I like watching some baseball and a little bit of football, but uh, I'm not really up on most of my sports. Medusa says, most of the tribes are honored that their names carry on in the sports teams. That's, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you say Redskins or Braves, I know some people don't like that, and I get that. Again, that, that stuff, fine. But, um, but yeah, that, but when you're just using someone's name, like the Mohawks, okay, the Mohicans, like... That's that's a tribe's name. They're a pretty fearsome, revered tribe, and uh, to to use them in your name in a sports team, some people would argue, well, that's cultural appropriation. But it can also be viewed as I'm paying homage to these guys. They were they were like the original ballers back in the day, and so we want to have their name to intimidate uh, and to show what kind of team how tough we are. So yeah, that's that's that. So guys, that's it for the podcast. What I'm going to do is stick around and answer some questions for a little bit. But if you've been listening to the podcast, thanks for spending a few moments with me on this beautiful Father's Day. Guys, if you want to subscribe, do me a favor. You can find this podcast anywhere that fine programs are provided. That would be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts. And of course, as I mentioned at the opening of the show, you can catch it live on YouTube. But you can also find a recorded version on YouTube as well. So just go over to YouTube and look for Mike Gaston. And uh, you will be able to find my channel, subscribe, and get all this quality content. Please know, folks, uh, that I love you all.